Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap. Round 19 it was. Melbourne in Victoria, and uh, if you didn't know where the game was being played, you only had to check the umpiring to work out that it must have been in Melbourne because, again, it was another shipful performance by the bloody umpires, and uh, not that it cost us a game, but uh, it certainly didn't make it any easier, and some of the decisions in the last were pretty average. As I'm sure you'll agree, Macca, how are you, mate? Uh, well, one thing I disagree with you right from the word go, I think it did cost us the game, mate. Um, uh, we were beaten by less than a go, a goal uh, by that 22-man team. And, uh, the, you know, the, the one real bad turning point was uh, we kicked four in a row and uh, in that last quarter. And we come out, the, uh, like, firing like bullets out. And... They got the ball down their forward line and they took a mark. Smith took a mark. But behind the play, Warren was getting bloody mauled and thrown around. And it was a, a blatant free. There's four umpires out there and not paid. Nothing paid. And then later, on a little bit later, Warren gets charged with taking the legs when he gets a hit to the head. And I have seen uh, professional cheating going on and I think I watched it today. Well, what I didn't see was professional kicking for Goldmacker, and uh, you can't argue the fact that in the first half in particular, um, any advantage that we had um, was kicked away with some very, very poor set-shot kicking. Yeah, I totally agree with that, because I've got a little note down here. We had three enemies today. We had uh, Melbourne, we had ourselves with our shooting uh, for goal, and the four buffoons on the ground. So, you know, there was a lot going against us, and... Uh, uh, and we helped uh, the problem. I agree with that. Um, no doubt about that. We kicked straight. We probably win the game, even in spite of the buffoons. But uh, having said that, it, it isn't right that when you go over there and you're playing on a game they their home ground, a game they play all the bloody time on the MCG, where they play the bloody finals, etc. And you get treated like a rag doll. You just just treated like a piece of rubbish. And that's how the umpires treated us today. Yeah, I didn't think it was the worst umpiring I've ever seen. Um, I thought there were some key decisions. I mean, you pointed out the Warrell one on Viney, which was just mystifying. Like, it was just mystifying. There was just no um, no explanation that the umpire could have offered. I think he called it below the knees, and, uh, I mean, for goodness sake. He did. Sake. That's um, what he called it. Yeah, but look, the thing of it was, um, we should... We should have been in a far better position than we were, Mac. Um, you know, we had one more scoring shot than them for the game. Um, the shots that we missed were entirely gettable. Um, and uh, 50% of those go through and we win the game by two or three. So, you know, it was an interesting game because um, you felt like at any moment Melbourne were going to break the game open. They, they scored in bursts, Melbourne. And uh, it looked like they had the thing under control. But uh, to our credit, we didn't go away. And, um, you know, isn't it fascinating, Mac, that when you actually disperse with the dispense with the uh, kicking down the line and the uh, holding the ball in and you actually start to try and run, which is what we did in the last quarter, all of a sudden it puts the wind up people. 
and people ask how come Collingwood always come over the line in the last quarter it's because they run it's because they play attacking aggressive football and I haven't seen us play that way uh, like we did in the last quarter for maybe six weeks and uh, by god it makes a difference doesn't it yeah, you're 100% right, Ben. I've also got that note down here as well, that, that too many times we were very pedantic and just going down the line, whereas uh, when we when we just took them on, uh, they, they panicked just like any other team panics. And, yeah, we got right. two, and we got two or three goals from their panicking. It's not only the panicking, Mac. It's the fact that you, it's basic football. You catch the opposition out of position. You get more one-on-ones, you get a more open forward line, you get more opportunities. That's the way Collingwood are winning games because they will take the game on, they will run in waves, they will hit up the options when they're offered and they will make themselves difficult to play against whether they're 10 goals up or 10 goals down. And uh, as Andalus in the chat says, it creates pressure. And that's exactly what we did in the last quarter. And look what happened. We got ourselves back in the game. And was if it weren't for a couple of momentum killers um, during the last 10 minutes or so, you know, who, who knows what might have happened. And it just annoys me that we haven't been playing that way for a good couple of weeks. Well, it's very hard to argue with that, mate, because, because you're right. Um there are two crow sides. There's one that when they uh, play that really uh, daring, attractive uh, football, very much like Connie would do, they're just playing on at all costs, looking for players, and all players running rather than stationary, waiting for it. Uh, it makes a total big difference. And that side is a very good side when we play like that. When we... Uh, are more like calling for it in packs and all the rest of it, well, we just become just another one of those teams that... that won't get into the finals. Yeah, no, so, you know, I mean, it begs the question, um, is it chicken or the egg, Macca? Is it the personnel in there that forces the team to play that slow, stodgy game? Or is it the personnel in there that um, create more opportunities with a bit more ball movement? Which one is it? I can't answer that because not... We don't, we don't have access to what they're being told by the coach, but, but for some reason, um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I really don't know because, yeah, I, I would think that the coach would want us to play uh, the more daring style of football. Uh, you'd think so. Um, I don't think so. You don't reckon? No, I don't think so. It was evident last week against GWS that we wanted to play a closed-in style of game plan. Um, and I think we've been, because of the fact that we've played fairly one-paced midfields, um, particularly since the, the break, since the Collingwood game, um, I think that actually forces us to play a, a more uh, contested style of game. And when you start putting a couple of runners in there, like, in the, like today, you know, we had a bit of Rankin, uh, we had Harry in there for a bit, um, you know, but it, but it was more the ball movement. It was the willingness to move the ball on. Um, you know uh, that that made the difference. So I don't know. I th- I think it was a clear directive in the last quarter to open the game up, um, and it just makes me wonder why we don't play like that all the time. Because whenever we do, we tend to be successful. 
Yeah, yeah, actually, you do raise one very good point there, Fiend. That's about the structure in the midfield. Um, yeah, at times there we had, I would say, the slowest midfield in the competition when we had um, Sloan, Crouch, and I can't remember who else might have been there. But, Dawson. And I thought, Dawson, yeah, and I thought to myself, there's not one ounce of pace in that midfield there. And, no. and, you, and you're quite right. Um, that does dictate the way you play, whereas... Um, once yeah, Schoenberg did a couple of nice clearances and and uh, like running at pace and um, and it makes a totally different uh, aspect to the forward line. They can just they can run all over the place with in all different directions when it's done like that. Well, it, it just it it's more than just at centre bounce attendances. I mean, we look at CBAs to get an idea of who is in the middle at any given time, but mm. what you get when you get Sloan. Crouch and Dawson uh, in playing in the middle is that you don't get any service in transition. You don't get any spread. You know, Matthew Crouch today, and we'll go into this in more detail in a minute, but Matthew Crouch had 22 possessions. I reckon about 19 of them were at the feet of the contest. He didn't get a lot on the outside. He doesn't offer anything on transition. Roy's loan much the same. Um, just can't get to enough contests, although I thought he was quite good in the last quarter um, getting back in defence. But when we play Harry or even Jackson Haightley when he came on, uh, when Rankin went up through the midfield, all of a sudden we've got a bit of movement through the corridor and through the middle, and it makes a world of difference. So uh, you're 100% right, Mac. I, like, it's... It's the the makeup of the midfield has a direct impact on the style of game that we play, and when we when we have those slow one pace midfielders in, we we've got no choice but to play down the line and try to play contested ball. Yeah, and you know, I, when I said to you off air, Crouch played well. That was to, partly baiting you, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Just to start it off on a good note. Yeah, just to get you live and the show, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will give him one thing. He, he is good at getting his hands on the ball in the centre. It is a pity that he doesn't have the rest of the game. He, Maka, he got he he got torched in the centre. Oh, I thought he got his hands on the ball a reasonable amount. But having said that, he's not look. He, he won't be playing playing anymore. Um, Lee will be back next week and he'll be out again. But, um, yeah, look, he, he, unfortunately, the game has passed him by. So, which begs the question, why was he played, Mac? Well, I could only think that they thought he would get out, um, shoot some handballs out in the middle. That's the only thing I can think. Um, I... There's no other logic to it because he's not, as you said, um, he doesn't get uh, the ball very, very much around the ground at all. So it can only be for uh, allegedly trying to get uh, win the contest uh, at centre bounces and, and uh, other contests. Yeah, um, like predominantly he was on Jack Viney. You'd say that's correct. Well, I don't think Jack Viney knew it. <laughs> He wasn't close enough. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, they both had similar centre clearances, but the difference is that 
Maddie, and this is exactly what I'm getting at. Matty Crouch gave us 150-odd metres gained, and uh, Jack Viney gave Melbourne 520 metres gained. So you would class Jack Viney as an inside ball winner, um, and yet Jack Viney can give you give his team 520 metres. And, and that's, yeah. I think, that's my gripe with Matt Crouch. No one disputes that Matt Crouch can get the ball. I mean, he was getting the ball when he got, when he got dropped. You know, mm. it's not... It's not his ability to get the ball that's ever been in question. The fact is that it's what he does and where he gets the ball and what he offers us both on transition and defensively. And defensively, he was nowhere. And on tra- transition, he was nowhere. Um, yeah. So anyway. You can't argue uh, any of that. No. Um, look, before we get all the way into it maca let's uh, say hello to everyone who's joined us on discord and youtube um we've got a nice lineup there in the audience on discord so any of you that want to have your say you know the drill put your hand up and we'll get you on and uh welcome to we got 50 odd at the moment on youtube listening live so thanks to everyone who's listening on both those platforms and um uh, don't forget your comments come up on screen and we can see them all so uh, those on youtube um, get into it on the uh, on the chat there because we can see everything and we can respond because we're live Macca, we're live <laughs> yeah well we laughed it after we lost but then we're alive yet <laughs> all right um okay so why don't we if i can just find what i'm doing here why don't we get into the weekend's results mate just to give yep. you you know just to give you your moment in the sun I'll keep it quick, mate. Keep it quick? Yep. Hang on. Just uh, keep it slight at the moment while I get myself organised. Alrighty. So on Friday night, uh, we had uh, the Bulldogs getting up by 41 points over Essendon. Essendon looked to be uh, their last gasp, seemed to be our match, and then uh, they've fallen away quite dramatically since then, and the Bulldogs uh, on Marvel won pretty comfortably. Yeah, I was really pissed off by the fact we lost Essendon by the way that Essendon played against the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs far too good for them. Um, yeah. It was, you know, the first quarter was a boring safety first quarter where no side um, wanted to do too much. In fact, Essendon were two goals up a quarter time. But, uh, yeah, but through Bontempelli, uh, Liberatore and Smith, which is a massive midfield when you look at it, they got up and running and they just uh, kicked 12 goals to four from that point on. Um, yeah, the dogs are they uh, firmed up their final chances, and uh, well, in reverse, Essendon took a dive. I must mention Bonham Pelly, he is an absolute star, he's possibly the best player in the comp at the moment. Or, uh, he's probably the only one I reckon that's going to give Dacos a run for his money in the uh, Brownlow, I'd say. Yep, well, he'd be knocking up some threes, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, on Saturday, we had Hawthorne learning the hard way that you don't give up playing with five minutes to go or ten minutes to go, and Richmond just ran over the top of them, winning by a point in the end. It was a pretty good game in that uh, in that last quarter. Yeah, look, I, I sorry for Hawthorne because yeah, um, I thought they had uh, Richmond by the by the Canadiwackers. I thought they'd, they'd by the what Canadiwackers. The polite way of saying knackers, mate. <laughs> When have you been polite? Well, only that second. Um, 
No, they were five goals up at uh, three-quarter time, the Hawks, and I thought they played uh, pretty well. And uh, I thought they'd go on to win it, but uh, Richmond turned it on in the last quarter, and uh, um, Hawks have been relying on their, what I would call a B-grade midfield of Newcombe, Warple and Nash, but they'd all played well. But that was it. They didn't play in a lot, too well in the last quarter. Richmond ran all over them. And they got up. They hit the front with 63 seconds to go. And uh, in spite of Sicily's efforts down back, they got up. And oh, it wasn't Sicily's efforts. It was a bloody umpire's efforts. i tell you what, you talk about an umpire and fraternity trying to get the team yeah, over the line. Oh, my God. Well, they, yeah, they could have put on black and yellow. I did actually say it, uh, Mrs. Baker, they should be putting on black and yellow Guernsey. Oh, no, brown and yellow. They'd try well, to get reckon? Hawthorne. Oh, they gave Long Sicily enough. three three frees in a row <laughs> that oh, were just yeah. not there. Well, that last quarter, they, I think they switched sides, mate. Oh, it was horrible. Anyway, uh, on... The next game on the Saturday was Carlton and West Coast. Uh, Carlton doing the business by 71 points. Uh, Charlie Kerno getting a, a bag full and uh, staking a claim for the Coleman. Yeah, look, on paper, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd say it was, you know, it was good and all the rest, but, but I think deep down they'd have to be very disappointed. You know, um, they were 83 points up close to half time and they only ended up winning by 71 and West Coast outscored them by two goals in the second half. I mean, the highlight was Kerno kicking his ten goals, and uh, uh, and but the downside for Carlton, they also got three more injuries during the game. But I would say that uh, you know, in, in a competition where you need every bit of percentage you can get, they'd, they'd have to be disappointed with their second half effort. Yeah, the percentage has improved, but it's not uh, by any means great. Um, so you're right, Mac. They missed an opportunity there to. Uh, really mine some percentage but uh who cares it's come uh brisbane uh getting up by 11 points at the gabba over geelong 64 to 53 they looked pretty good early and then geelong fought back as they do and uh brisbane i think did well to to hang on and win that one yeah that's good that's a very good brief summary of the game actually i was delighted with the result because i hate geelong i really do um and uh, uh actually it was brisbane's midfield uh which uh Dunkley, gee, he's good. I mean, he comes straight back in there and he just keeps getting the ball or tackling or whatever. Lucky Newell had a good game. McLuggage, uh, uh, he did a pretty good job as well. They uh, they won 49... This is a, yeah, I think I'm right. Yeah, 49 to 22 at the stoppages, thing. I mean, that's an outstanding winning. It's a toweling up, isn't it? Yeah, and Geelong did mount a challenge late, as you said, and for one horrible moment, I thought they might get up, but... Thank God, you know, Brisbane hung on to win by whatever they did, 13 points or 11 points, whatever it was. 11 uh, points. 11 points. What was sad was Ashcroft's injury. He's been, yep. look, he's a clean-cut-looking clean lad. He plays such good football, and what a horrible thing to happen to him. Well, horrible for him, obviously, but also horrible for Brisbane because he's been playing some good footy and uh, been integral in, in their uh, rotation. So... Yeah, it, it puts a bit of a chink in their finals aspirations, I would have thought. Yeah, it does. I think it does. Then we had the, like you'd probably say, arguably the match of the season so far, um, Port v Collingwood. Port up by 
what was it, 17 points at three-quarter time. Um, yeah. And uh, everybody knew that Collingwood was going to get up. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> well, By two points in the end, Collingwood with, you have to say, some very, very clutch goal-kicking. Yeah. Uh, it was, well, actually, I've got to say, it's one of the best contested games I've seen for a very, very long time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I really did. I, and um, much as I hate Port Adelaide, at times I was even oscillating uh, occasionally, barracking for them, and I washed my mouth out with soap and go barrack for Collingwood. But, uh, you know, it just was one of those games, you know, it just was going backwards and forwards. I thought, uh, you know, Butters and Rosie outstanding for uh, Port, Port, and uh, Drew was doing a, a really good job on Dacos, and as you said, 17 points up, but... As you know, you just know Collingwood are going to come. Port still did have one chance, you know, Collingwood at the front with three minutes to go, but Port had one chance and Farrell dropped a chess mark inside the 50 in, mm. in, the, in the last couple of minutes. Now, he is a beautiful kick and he probably would have kicked the goal. So, yeah, very costly drop. Yep. Um, but again, it goes to show you just you have to keep playing against Collingwood. You have to keep oh, playing. But you also have to understand with Collingwood, and it'll be interesting to see um, whoever gets them in the finals, it'll be interesting to see how they defend because you cannot give Collingwood the corridor. You cannot give them the corridor. And too many times in in last quarter blitzes that they put on, it's all corridor. And yep. you need a, a coach needs to, to work this out and just not give them the corridor. Let them run around the outside. If they get you around the outside then, uh, you know, good on them. They've done well. But um, you, you give them the corridor and they'll just cut you up really quickly. They'll score so quickly. That's the thing. They score really quickly when they're on a roll. Do they ever? And, yeah, look, you know, even their no-name brands do very, very well. You know, they, they, they play the, the game as the team is supposed to play it. They go to the places where the team wants them to go to. They just do it right. Yeah, uh, but again, it shows you what confidence will do. You know, you, you talk about their role players being good players. That's because as a team, they're playing with so much confidence and belief. And, um, you know, it does lift those second-tier players um, to play to their maximum capacity and to, you know, take the ball one grab and to pull off the good kick and to, you know, run that little bit harder and all that sort of stuff. That's all about belief and you know, Collingwood are just riding a wave of belief at the moment. They'll be very hard to stop. 100% agree. Um, and then uh, Frio just deciding that uh, they've had enough this season and uh, <laughs> uh, despite being at home, lost pretty comfortably to Sydney by 29 points, 76 to 105. Swans uh, still got a heartbeat. Uh, Fremantle flatlined. Yeah, good summary there. Um it was really yeah, right at the beginning of the game. Um, they gave three. Uh, I gave Sydney a six-goal start, and that's about where it finished, just under that. And uh, uh, they just didn't didn't turn up for the first few minutes, Frio, and it cost them many chance in the game. And they just just were chasing tail for the rest of it. And the interesting thing was that they had a you know winning racket, a winning uh, on borders, but they must have been losing a lot of other positions anyhow. So, no, as you said. Bye-bye, Frio. No finals for you. Yeah, done and done. Done yeah. and done. And uh, today, uh, the Giants, after a pretty close first half, uh, the Giants running away in the end by 40 points and uh, 
Really uh, looking like being a finals chance, to be honest with you, GWS. They're playing good footy and uh, the Suns couldn't go with them. They, well, they've always had a good midfield and uh, a reasonable forward line, but um, they've got a very, very, very good uh, fullback in Taylor. He's outstanding. He, he'll be the he'll be the uh, All Australian fullback, and switching Himmelberg back into the into the back line just gives him that strong body there can take the big mark as well. And he was outstanding today, Himmelberg. So um, yeah, they've had uh, six games on the trot now. They've won and they're making a good charge. Yeah, well, they've certainly got momentum and, uh, you know, it makes you think, well, uh, they're probably the best team out of the eight at the moment, I would say. No, they're in the eight now. No. Well, they're, they're probably the best team just in the eight now then. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after our disaster, uh, St Kilda nearly had a disaster of their own before uh, sneaking over the line by eight points. I didn't watch this game, but was watching the scores, and uh, for a long time it looked like North were going to get them. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I was that pissed off after our game. I didn't bother watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, I did see, but I did see that uh, they uh, were leading by eight points. I think it was three-quarter time, and mm. Saints ran over them in the last quarter to, to win by eight. That's all we need to yeah. say. Yeah, that's right. All right, so that takes us to the table. And Collingwood now clear in front. Um, uh, Port clear in second, a game ahead of Brisbane on 52 and Melbourne on 48. So those those teams, uh, well, Collingwood now two games in front, um, the other three separated by a game apiece. Uh, the Bulldogs looking at this stage the best of the rest on 40. Uh, St Kilda also on 40, um, still hanging in there. GWS on 40 also and Geelong in there just sneaking up on 38 to, despite their... Uh, Despite their their loss, they are in good nick, Geelong. They're, they've got that half a game, plus they've got a fantastic percentage. So uh, they're looking all right. And uh, then out of the eight, I hope, Mac. Sorry, go on. I, hope, I was going to say, I hope Geelong miss. Hate them. Yeah, I'd rather them miss. And then we've got uh, Carlton also on 38 with a slightly worse percentage. And like this is what you're talking about, Mac. They're both on 38 points. Carlton had the opportunity to get up on Geelong's percentage today, and they didn't. Correct. Um, so there's still, you know, 4 or 5% between them. Uh, Richmond also on 38, uh, but with a, a far worse percentage. Uh, Essendon would need a fair bit going their way now on 36 points to go their way. Sydney as well, 34. You think a bridge too far. And then certainly season over for Adelaide, Gold Coast, Fremantle, Hawthorne, North Melbourne and West Coast. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Our final chances are out the window. Oh, yeah. No, we, we're not making it. We're no, not no. making it now, Mac. Um, no. And, uh, you know, two key games were the uh, Essendon and uh, Giants games, and uh, we failed. Uh, had we won the Melbourne game, I think we would have... Uh, we would have been in with a with a lazy uh, shot, um, but uh, I don't think it would have made much difference anyway. No. no. We, 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 made it, we would have been resold out pretty quick, I think. Resold out, you reckon? Yeah, you're I think so. You're coming it? up with some pretty pretty good sayings tonight. Oh, there'll be more. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so as mentioned earlier, we've got uh, a nice little audience in the uh, Discord studio, so if any of you guys want to have your say, feel free. Uh, but in the meantime, Maka, let's get into our game. And uh, as we mentioned, um, 14-13-97 Melbourne, uh, four points in the end over Adelaide, 13-15-93. Many would say an honourable loss. Um, How do you yeah, see that? Definitely, definitely. definitely. Definitely, I'm really, really, I'd give it a better than honourable loss because it, to me it was a, mo- mo- a moral win, in my opinion, but the, it, the results don't show that. But, There's um, no such fucking thing, Macca. I invented that one too. <laughs> a moral win. There's no such thing as a moral win. Well, a moral There's no morality in football. No, there isn't. But if there was... But, you know, I, I just think we played well enough to win the game. That's what I'm saying. And through circumstances that we partly contributed to and uh, the other four uh, people contributed to, that's why we got resolved. Resolved. <laughs> yeah. So we had a couple of late ins, Mac. Uh, Luke Nankervis made his debut, um, making uh, coming in for a sick... Uh, someone, I think it was McHenry. Um, um, McHenry and Parnell, they both had the flu. Yep, yeah. and Haley on the bench uh, on the, as a sub. And um, and Curvis in the, into the side. That's what I said. And you were right. Uh, just while we're at it, um, I am taking applications for a sidekick for the 2024 uh, season, so uh, because I think I think Macca's losing his mind. <laughs> like I'm not just warning anybody who applies that you actually have to pay him to be on the show. <laughs> and so you should too. Um, the point I guess I'm making about Nankervis is that again it took um, a bloody sickness to give someone a debut and again just as Josh Worrell has done in the past and a few others, Luke Nankervis did not disappoint. Well, I thought he played very well for, for a bloke mm. uh, playing his first game, Fiend. You know, he, he didn't uh, he didn't lack any confidence. And, uh, uh, yeah, I thought he went in hard for the ball. I thought he used the ball relatively well when he had it. Um, we were, I think we all thought he was definitely going to make the grade uh, in the long term and probably next year. But, gee, I think it's a little bit hard to keep him out after that. Well, he certainly uh, he certainly played well, I thought. Um, it, it, you know, a couple of little errors. Cosy Pickett did him uh, uh, for a goal at one stage and uh, one other that I can't quite think of at the moment. But by and large, he was solid. He didn't look flustered. He didn't panic with the ball. Um, he looked composed and uh, his disposal was pretty good. So uh, a very good debut. Um, we also had Harry Schoenberg back into the team, Mac, and uh, after a slowish start, I thought his second half was pretty good. Yeah, uh, he wasn't too good early, but he just so he sort of built his game, and I thought he was going best at, uh, at the end, yeah. I think, look, if Harry can play like that every week, I'd be happy with Harry. Yep. Um you know, I you know my thoughts about Harry. I think he's I think there's a lot to work with uh there. He needs to get fitter. He needs um, to just 
strip that puppy fat. Like, he, he, he's fitter than last year, but he needs to be fitter again. He needs to put the same amount of work in this off-season that he did last. If he's going to become a bona fide AFL midfielder, um, he needs to get those skin folds down, in my opinion. But he looked a little bit more composed, um, and we saw some of those sharp gives that, that he was known for in his, in his debut season. So uh, I thought it was quite encouraging, actually. Yeah, as it, was, as it said in the chat, the, the, at least he showed some speed coming out of the midfield. And, yeah. Uh, and that is always was one of his assets. I, mean, I agree with you that he could just uh, tone up a little bit. Um, there's a little bit of puppy fat still there. Um, and well, if he could get himself to work like a Sloan or one of those does and, and become uh, super fit crazy in, in, the sense of, in terms of making his body the very best it could be, he could be a very good player. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, we'll spend a little minute just talking about Matt Crouch um, because I thought, look, they've obviously brought in Matt Crouch as a like-for-like-for-lead in terms of being a coalface uh, distributor. And in that sense, he didn't do a bad job. Uh, didn't quite get as many disposals as what would be used to from a Rory Laird, for example. Um, no. But he did get, you know, uh, a few uh, contested possessions and got, I think he got seven clearances. We'll have a look at that in a minute. Um, so in terms of his inside work, I mean, we got what we expected to get. But as I mentioned at the, at the start of the show, we get nothing from him once the ball's in the open, open field. Um and that's where I felt that Melbourne got more value from blokes like Viney um, because they would they do more than just do the stoppage work. They actually get out in the open field and, and make themselves dangerous. Yeah, you know, I love Viney as a player. He's, he's as hard as a cat's head and he goes in 100%, but as you say, but he keeps working away all game. He's, he's a good player, Viney. Yeah, well, I was talking about Crouch. I know, but uh, having said that, that's the difference. Perhaps I can do that. Just, just uh, applications at aflcrowcast.com. Yeah. Well, can somebody applied and I can go. <laughs> and I, and Sorry, coming, back, yeah, coming back to uh, the situation, though. Uh, yeah. But, uh, what I'm saying, well, I, I quoted what Viney does. That's what he does in comparison against uh, uh, Crouch, because Crouch works probably as hard as Viney does in the centre, but then in, that's that's it. That's, um, yeah, he doesn't work hard around the ground. It was exactly the point. And you, you're not a midfielder if you don't do more. Like, the football for a midfielder is more than just stoppage work. You know, he doesn't... He doesn't I didn't see him sprinting. I didn't see him running to make positions. I saw him a lot jogging. Um, you know, just yeah, and he doesn't do anything by foot. It doesn't do anything by foot. Foot at least in his uh, in his good years of you know twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, we we're getting some good angular kicks from him. He would kick his twenty five meter passes, but they'd be constructive. But as he's slowed down and um, been gobbled up by the pace of the game, it just doesn't doesn't offer anything. I mean, you could put anyone in at the feet. Of uh, of Rob all day, and they'll get half a dozen clearances, mate. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, so why didn't we put Haitley in there? Why did we bother playing Crouch? 
Well, as a non-selector, <laughs> I can't really answer it, but um, I, I just don't know why. But uh, uh, I mean, you're a crowd supporter, but you you agree with that, wouldn't you? I'm not really a crowd supporter. I, what I can say about Crouch is that he's not, he's not bad in the middle, and that's it, full stop. That's where it stops, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but but I think he I think he's uh, working the centre wasn't too bad. But where he got shown up, you've got guys like Petrarca attends the centre. But the next minute you see Petrarca in the forward pocket kicking a goal. I mean, it it, it is a massive difference, massive. And yeah. another thing yeah. too is that somebody posted up further in chat with I don't know whether it's true or not. The Crouch has been told he's going to get a contract next year. Um, if that is the case, I think it's even worse actually playing him then. Well, we've been we're well known for playing players and then delisting them at the end of the season. We did it with Richie Douglas. We did it with James Rowe last year. I mean, we do it all the time. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Surely no. you play the future. No, I I, I agree with you one hundred percent, and that's you know. That makes me wonder um, where Jack Hately sits in terms of his future. Um, I would have had Jack Hately in a heartbeat. He's been playing pretty well in the SANFL. And, uh, you know, if they just wanted someone to do Rory Laird's job, then Jack Hately would have done it just as nicely as Matty Crouch and probably given us a little bit more as well. I didn't think that um, Hately played too bad when he came on as a sub. And he's not really the type that you would expect to do well in that role because he's like, it's not dynamic. So, you know, you sort of think, oh, it takes a little while to work into the game. But he actually did quite well considering the minutes that he got. Uh, Hately, I'm not sure what he got. Um, how many positions did he get playing? I don't know. We're not there yet. Um, okay, okay. I don't remember seeing him much in the, in the game. We came on in the last quarter. Yeah, I know he came. Or he came in the third quarter, actually. I think was it third or he last? Had four four handballs he had. Yeah, I, I didn't see much of him. So, um, but having said that, he might have done a lot better if he started in the game. And he's that type of player that you know he just needs work. And these stats are wrong because I definitely saw him tackle at least once, and the stats have got him a zero tackle. So, good old AFL stats once again. Um, but yeah, let's have a look at the uh, team head-to-head stats, shall we? Because um, might be a little bit here to talk about uh, disposals: three forty-three to three thirty-nine in Melbourne's favour. Um, kicking and handball ratio is fairly even. Inside fifties, we ended up winning by two. Uh, disposal efficiency: we uh, we are far better than Melbourne, seventy-five to sixty-five. Efficiency inside 50, well, they should do that on goals because we had equal number of shots um, to Melbourne but obviously didn't convert as well. Then you get this little stat here, 21 to 12 free kicks. And I didn't think it was that sort of game, Mac, where there should have been so much of a disparity in free kicks, to be honest. No, no. The, you know, given the type of game it was, it, you would expect it to be pretty even, you know. It could be it could be in favour by one team by one or two, but not by nine, not by twenty. Didn't 21. seem like that game, did it? No. no. Anyway, around stoppage, um, Gorn uh, gave Riley a bit of a bath, forty-three to twenty-eight. Um, also kicked a couple of goals, Maxi. Uh, clearances thirty-nine to thirty-two in their favour. 
15 to 13 at centre and 24 to 19 around stoppage. Contested possession, well, they beat us at that game, 149 to 128. I've just felt they were a bit stronger um, around stoppage, Mac. Um, we got it on the outside a little bit more. I reckon a bit of that would have been in the last quarter too, um, 180 to 197. Mm. Turnover's about even. Um, marks, uh, we marked the ball more because we had a little bit more on the outside, 89 to 78. Marks inside 50, though, 17 to 12. We looked woeful up forward in the first half, woeful. Um, and a lot of, well, I think it was partly the uh, entries and partly the the way we were moving the ball. Um, you and I have said this time and time again, Mac. If you don't change lanes and change angles, you just kick to clumps in the forward line. And that's exactly what was happening. Yeah, you know, um, I had a couple of people here and they were, they were saying Fogarty was absolutely shit out in that first, well, most of the game, but... And he was. But how could he possibly do anything when the ball's at pedestrian pace, moving down it and then kick long into a clump of players? That Fogarty's, that's not Fogarty's game. And, uh, but he, he still, I, I know, people are saying he's still a worrier. He didn't have a great game. But, um, yeah, look, what you're right, though, Fiend. We have to move that ball very, very quickly. We have to make angles. We have to move it. Uh, Totally differently than how we did because when you go straight down the line and you eventually kick a bomber in, that never worked. Never worked. No, and I haven't been tracking forward fifty entries this year like last year, but I'd, it looked very much like one of our classic one possession short going into forward fifty and kicking it into that you know that thirty meters out on the boundary kind of entry. You know what I mean? It just we didn't get any penetration. Uh, we didn't make ourselves difficult. The amount of times that Jake Lever uh, got all over it and, uh, you know, they had a double up on Tex half the time and Lever was benefiting from that. It, just, it was just dumb football. It was just dumb football. And, um, you know, we didn't make enough of our opportunities to uh, to switch the ball and to, and, to, and to make the ground a bit wider. Exactly. No, 100%. And when we, when we did that in the last quarter in the, for those first four goals, well, we looked like a, a champion team and just made it look so easy. But uh, And when you, do it, when you do it correctly, there's no doubt about it, that's, it does make the team look good. But unfortunately, we didn't have enough of that. Yeah. Um, on the plus side, our, our defensive work was good, 69 to 47 tackles, 13 to 1 inside 50. Um, you know... Uh, Again, you know, no one could ever accuse an Adelaide, well, rarely could an Adelaide side be accused of not trying. And uh, this was a game, one of those games where we we played the game out, you know. Um, it's not about effort, it's about method, in my opinion, and personnel. And uh, I think personnel at times um, puts us between a rock and a hard place in terms of how we play, and that then, you know, impacts method. Mm. I agree with that. Uh, losing Rankin didn't help any either. No, well, losing Rankin in the last, I mean, he was, we'll go through uh, players in a minute, but I would have thought that he would have been uh, uh, our best or certainly amongst our best. Um, he was dynamic. No, best. best. He was he was dynamic uh, for those three and a bit quarters. And uh, uh, whilst he still didn't attend a centre bounce, uh, Macca, he was playing a bit higher 
and uh, was around stoppage a little bit and um, really makes his presence felt around stoppage. He just adds something and I don't understand, I just don't understand why they wouldn't, when he's up and about and he's moving well and he's causing them problems, it's exactly what Goodwin did with Cozzy Pickett. Played him in the middle for a few, mm. got him freed up and then pushed him forward and Cozzy went nuts. And I just feel like that's exactly what Nick should be doing with Rankin. Just give him a little five-minute burst every now and again in the mid. Just to, He doesn't have to have a midfielder's engine. But he's clean and he's evasive and he's quick. I just This is this one-dimensional thinking that our coaching group seem to have. Well... Some of our commentators today were very, they were dullards, but even they picked that up that that should be done, that uh, ranking should be given bursts in the middle. Um, but it didn't seem to be obvious to everybody but the coach. Yeah, it just, it, it, it lacks, to me, it lacks a feel for the game. I know we've got one or two on our on our um, Discord server that like to smash out stats and all the rest of it, but... You've got to have a feel for the game at times. You've got to be able to understand what's going on and what you can do to influence what's going on. And like, if we look at the individual stats, you know, the first, the highest stats winners on the ground are Viney, Petrarca, Brayshaw, and Langdon. You know, before any of our midfielders get a look in, mm. and then it's Shuey's our highest on twenty three, twenty three touches. Um, in a game like that, uh, as a as your highest possession winner, um, then we've got Crouch on twenty two, Dawson on twenty two, Hinge on twenty two. You know, it just we only got twenty. I mean, admittedly, it was uh, in three and a bit quarters, but we got twenty touches out of Isaac, three goals, three. Now, imagine if he'd been around the ball a little bit more. I know, I know. We didn't we didn't maximise him. There's no doubt about that. Because I mean, the guy. He was he was in magical form today. So that's when you when he's in that type of form. That's when you do put him in there for a little burst. And a coach has got to have a feel for that. But you know, coaches have played the game. They understand momentum. You know, in basketball, they call it someone's got the hot hand. And when someone's got the hot hand in basketball, you bloody give them the ball. You give them the ball. Once they get hot, you give them the ball. And, and yep. to me, that's exactly what we should be doing with Rankin. Once, once you see he's on, you get him around the contest. You give him as many opportunities as you possibly can. And you put the wind up the opposition because they've got to cover him, you know? Yep. So I just, I don't understand modern AFL football in general, how they just seem to be so hesitant to make these calls. It just, it really... I don't understand, Mac. Well, I don't. I don't think no, Nick's is a brave coach. I'm thinking. I, I mean, Nick. Nick's he uh, he learned his uh, football up in Sydney, um, and uh, he he coaches along the horse lines um, where you try and make it as safe as possible, rather than than daring as possible, and. Um, uh, so you know, sometimes you just got to go outside that area, and, and like when we're playing a team like Melbourne, a team like Collingwood, you really have to. You just cannot play in a, in a standard way. You've just got to take it on. And you know, if you get beat that way, then fair enough. But because yep. you're going to get beat if you play stock standard. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. 
Um, you know, and again, if you look at the benchmark of the competition, Collingwood, um, you know, they don't mind mixing it around. They don't mind taking Nick Dacos out of the middle and putting him across half back. They don't mind giving blokes runs at the ball. You know, it just you've got to make yourself hard to play against. And when you've got a bloke, like I think there was a period of time. Uh, might have been the beginning of the third quarter where Melbourne got on a bit of a run and Rankin was sitting in the forward pocket waiting for the ball to come down. And meanwhile, you know, Melbourne had kicked two or three goals and the commentators even made the point at that point. It's like, you know, you've got Rankin sitting down there. He should be up amongst it. Yep, oh, I 100% agree, Pete. No argument about that. Yep. Um, so, look, not Hello? a huge amount to take from the... Uh, Oh, g'day, Scorpus. How you going? You just drop in there. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, I just thought I'd come on every once in a while and tonight's one of the times I've got a bit of free time. And You heard, you heard I was taking applications to replace Macca and you just come straight in. It's not, a, it's oh, not an application, it's an audition. I don't think I could do that, but um, <laughs> I just thought I'd come on and have a chat here in the middle of talking about things. So, yeah, uh, it's good to be I, back. I, I could pay you to take my job. <laughs> oh maybe <laughs> hit me up after we'll have a chat about that <laughs> uh very good we've also got nuz here let's bring nuz in just for a minute as well and uh we'll have a uh have a bit of a four-way it's been a while we've got real intelligence amongst us <laughs> yeah so uh now that we've rabbited on uh nuz how you going mate Good. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm good. Well, you know what? Not that disappointed about the result because it means that we have to be forced to play more kids now. So, well, I hope anyway. Well, particularly now that we've got uh, Rankin out. And he was out for. He looked like a like that was a bad run by the look of it. Yeah, and, that's season over, I think. And be very close to it. Yeah, can't see him coming back. Um, Nuz, how'd you see things, mate? Give us your uh, learned um, preview for your content this week. Well, uh, no show this week. I'm just uh, I'm having a bit of a rest, so apologies right. to anyone out there. But I, <laughs> I am releasing, none of your listeners. Uh, none, of, none of our listeners listen to you, mate. So just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, anyway, in that regard. Uh, <laughs> No, we all do. We love it. it was just, yeah, it was the big bodies around. And I can see why the coaches brought in Crouch. I can see their th- thought process. But Crouch, after the first five minutes, which I thought he was okay, just started to do Crouch things. And the two-way running just it just wasn't there. The, the pace, it eluded him. And obviously, we know what happens with Sloan. It's just a bit of the same old. And looking at the CBAs, we had a few more kids in there. But it just... It's it's hard because Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne are a top three, top four side, so it's always going to be difficult. You know, Brayshaw, Petrarca, and Viney—they're all seasoned bodies, aren't they? And the fact that Schonberg was probably our best midfielder on par with Dawson—I think that's phenomenal. I mean, it just proves finally, hey, you know what? Give a kid a chance that he might actually repay you. Then Curvis, Cook, say no more. Well, I've got to say a bit more because I've still got about half an hour of a show, but... Um... <laughs> well, you can do what, what do you think, Tim? Um, what did I think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with those thoughts. I, I think 
the coaches at the moment across the last couple of matches seem to be stuck in sort of I guess what's the way of putting it? Like they're they're trying to juggle a whole bunch of different things that they're aiming for. Obviously, finals is one of those winning games, and then on top of that, they're sort of trying to shuffle in these kids into the mix. You know, give the seniors a chance, and it just seems like one week one thing pulls a little bit more than another thing. One week we've got a midfield mix that has you know Saligo's getting more chances, Rochelle is getting more chances, and obviously they didn't play this week, but. You know, then we go to a different week and then it's Key, Sloan, it's, you know, Laird taking up all the midfield minutes. And this week it felt like they'd sort of, they'd gone, oh, got a few issues, there's a few injuries and illnesses and things. We're going to, we're going to give a little bit out of there. We're going to give you the Schoenberg. We're going to, we're going to bring in Cook. We'll give you a little bit. But then at the same time, you know, they bring back Matt Crouch as well, which, you know, it, you look at the side that they've put out there with, players like Cook and players like Nankervis, who was a, a late sort of in, and then you look at them also bringing Crouch. It doesn't seem to match up. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, those two strategies. And I certainly agree with Phoenix, what you were saying earlier, that I, I would have thought it would make more sense to play like a, a Hately, even if he's not going to you know be on the list for much longer, over Crouch, just to sort of see, you know, is there something there? We, we know what Matt Crouch is going to bring, but Hately, you know, hasn't had a ton of chances. Well, actually, last yeah. year when he came in the midfield, he actually played well until they put him on the wing and then he had uh, tailed off. But he had a, yeah. a good – he had probably about four or five really good uh, matches in a row by playing in as, as a mid. And, and who did he get pushed out for, Macca? Uh, Matt Crouch. Was... What, last year? Yep, got pushed out for Matt Crouch. Mm-hmm. Matt Crouch mm-hmm. came into the middle, Hately went to the wing. That that was specifically to accommodate Matt Crouch because you and I nearly got a divorce over that one. It's pretty well, pretty weird sort of setup in this in the SNFL a lot of the time where there's players playing in the midfield there that you know are definitely not going to be getting AFL game time in those positions at all. Like Tyler Brown, you know, as much as he's been performing okay in the SNFL, there's no way he's getting another AFL game, and you would have thought that the opportunity would be there to instead prioritise players like Berry, Saligo, Schoenberg, Haightley when they're playing in the SNFL in those roles. But it seems like we've got this, again, just weird sort of, I don't know what you'd sort of call it, like just weird thinking at that sort of level. There's been times when we've seen, you know, even like a Billy Dowling who was drafted probably to play mostly midfield, playing all around the ground, but then we're playing top-up players in the middle. It's like a top-up isn't playing at AFL level. Why are they in that sort of role? It just, some of that thinking really boggles the mind there. And I would have thought that, you know, if we've made the call on a player like Crouch, which seems very unlikely is getting another contract, that you wouldn't just keep playing him even at SNFL level in the midfield, in the inside midfield. You'd find some other position for him and give game time to the players that actually have a future in the side. But, you know, uh, as you've talked I, I about think... many times, we, we love the players that are getting delisted. We love them until they're yeah, delisted. We do. I, I, look, I think um, the plan with Crouch was always that he was going to be Led's understudy. And so for that reason, they had to keep him warm and keep him in the midfield rotations in the twos. Um, and I think, um, Scorpus, what you're describing is a coaching and selection committee that have painted themselves into a bit of a corner 
through some pretty well probably a lack of a real plan in terms of how they were going to attack the development of the younger midfielders this season um it seems to have been a little bit haphazard um they haven't used every opportunity that they could i think to to run players through i think harry's been um unfortunate i think you know as much as barry's been a little bit out of form i think you know, he has needed a run. I, you can't tell me that a lad has plays two seasons of AFL football uh, at a reasonable level, um, last year being the highest tackler in the whole competition, and then can't get a run. You know, I, I don't understand that. Um, you know, blokes like Nan Curvis, um, you know, probably should have been in three or four weeks ago. Um, there doesn't seem to have been a, a plan or a discernible plan that I can tell uh, that has allowed them to rotate juniors through, give blokes rest when they need it, but also expose them in the position that they that they have been chosen to play, that they were drafted to play. Um, yeah, certainly. Go ahead, Maka. No, I've just got to say somebody in the chat mentioned and to ask, and I'll ask both of you guys this: Sloan, I, I, I'm in the category that I wouldn't give a Sloan a category. Uh, another contract. I, I think he's too slow, and uh, I know he played not bad in a defensive fashion there today. But in the, on the along the same line as Crouch, I know, and I know he performs better than Crouch. He's he's thirty three, I think, and um, yeah, I'm just interested in both what Sensible Crow and you think about whether he should get another contract. What do you think, Scott? Okay, I guess I'll head off first. Um, you know, earlier in the season, I was happy to have Sloan come into the side and see what he could do after his ACL injury. You never really know how those sorts of things are going to go. So bring him into the side, having having a look. No problems there. I think in the back half of the season, it's pretty clear that the game has gone past him. Mm. Um, you know, I know people are sort of saying, oh, you know, he's coming back from an injury. He has to have time to... You know, accommodate himself to the level, but he's also 33 years old. Like it's unlikely that even if he didn't have an ACL injury, that he'd be playing at his peak at the moment. And if you're thinking about like another year as a 34 year old player, like how many midfielders playing his role have we had at the club that have been able to play at 34 years old? Like not, <laughs> there's not very many. Um, so you know, based on his performances, I, I don't think he should be getting a contract next year, and I don't think there's another role for him in the side that I'd be comfortable with him playing. Like you know, half forward, we have plenty of players that can rotate through there. Lots of you know, younger kids, players like Rochelle and Pedler, who I'd expect to still rotate through there. You know, half back has been floated, but we've, we're stacked with players in that position. You know, Nankervis just came in and showed that he can easily play that role without having played ever. So I just don't, I don't see a role for him, and I don't want that temptation there of you know, coaches maybe thinking, oh, you know, maybe we can give him a game, or you know, he's a club legend and things like that. I think it's, I think it's time for him to retire and just sort of. Yeah, move on to the next level for him, him, whether that's coaching or something else, and giving what he can give in that area. Baxter in the chat reckons that Baxter in the chat reckons that Scott Thompson gets fifty touches a week at playing for the only Jets. Well, Baxter, I played about two hundred games on that bloody postage stamp of an oval. <laughs> it's not hard to get. It's not hard to get fifty disposers on Kingswood Oval for Christ's sake. So I've seen bloody primary school grounds that are bigger than that. <laughs> 
Central, what do you think, mate? Would you give Slade another contract? I I wouldn't. We we just have enough players that you know have proven time and time again that if you give them a chance, they'll actually do well. I mean, Sean Berg has been biding his time. Barry, as you said, is ready to go. And next year, you know, that'll be his fourth year in the system. You know, he's clearly ready, and and Sloan will be thirty four. And if it's good enough for Hodge to be shafted, one of the all time greats out of his club, and uh, you know, who else? Zeeble to be sub. Uh, who else? Nathan Jones. That's just top of my head. And surely there's others. Then, you know, it's it's good enough for Sloan. And, and without... I love Sloan. We all do. He's he's phenomenal. He's a great bloke and everything. He's given everything for his club. But we, do, we don't owe Sloan anything. And he's a custodian of the club, just like we're fans of the club. But we, we, don't, we don't... We shouldn't owe him a contract. And I think in the past, we've always been a bit friendly with some of our decision making and contracts and always given one more when when we gave Sloan his contract ages ago it was already one more year yes he's playing football but we mm. have 40 people on the list we're going to get more kids in we're going to probably get or possibly Redmond and, and others as well Bailey Williams whoever you like over the next period we need to give them a shot Rory Sloan's numbers this year are mirror image to Jackson Haley's last year last year not this year I mean say no more he's he does his job because you expect him to he's played 250 bloody games of course he's going to do his job but so are other kids and at 34 the it's going to be too late we're going to have to rely on him to I don't know make his own call he has to he's got a couple of weeks left to decide but are we brave enough as a club to say hey Rory time's up are we brave enough? And I, I fear that we might not be. I, I, I don't think we are. And, and I think I, I think part of the issue with the, with someone like Sloan and senior players in general is that if you look at how Sloan plays, like he, it's not like he's getting into the wrong positions and is just constantly, you know, not playing to coaching instructions and not following the game plan. You know, he very much is doing those things. He's you know doing everything that you'd expect of a player. And I'm sure at a coaching level, you know, in during in between the games and everything you know his reviews are you know oh yeah you know you're following all the instructions and so on and that, you know that has to go away to selection is probably a big reason to why still getting games but you know that's only part of the story you can be in the right position but still be ineffective in that position in terms of you know a player losing a ground ball or something like that or being unable to stop someone transitioning or doing you know, some fast breaks. And it's clear that Sloan can't do those things at the moment. He's just, his body is just not letting him do that. So I think the coaches have to sort of, I don't know, get out of that mindset that someone can, is still, you know, a super valuable contributor just because of his positioning and game sense and knowledge of the game plan and start thinking, you know, we need to get our junior players to the level where they're doing those same things at the same level as Sloan. But on on top of that, are just playing at a, a level that you'd expect of a, you know, a, a 23-year-old or something who has the body to play AFL at a much higher capacity. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the coaches will make that decision, though. So I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm a little bit different to you guys. I I would give Sloan another year. Um, I wouldn't. Well, let me finish, Macca, if you don't mind. Go ahead. This is this is why you're getting the sack. Good. I've got, I've got two good candidates doing auditions here, in case you didn't realise. Um, no, I look. Nuds mentioned Luke Hodge, and yes, Luke did get um, 
uh, kicked out of Hawthorne in his final years, but he did do a very good job as a quarterback for um, Brisbane when they were developing. And if there's one role that I think Sloan could play, it's as that sort of general in the back lines as a medium-sized um, defender. I think he would be quite good in that role. Um, and if we were going to play him anywhere... That's I don't want him in the midfield, and I would like him to play a lot of SANFL, but I think he still has some value, unlike Matty Crouch, who can only do one thing, um, and that's play inside mid, and he's not dynamic. Sloan has shown in patches this year that he's still got the ability to, to make a difference and have an impact on the game, and so I'd give him another year on that basis. Well, I'm... I'll talk now that you've finished, me. And I apologise for interrupting before. Um, Thanks. How rude. And I, shocking. Absolutely disgraceful. Um, yeah, I agree with Sensible Crow and with um, Phoenix. Uh, with Tim. Sorry, not Phoenix. Um, yeah, I think that Sloan... This, what we're seeing at the moment is not the Sloan that we used to have. The, the, he, Sloan has been a champion. There's no doubt about it. He's been the heart and soul of the Adelaide Footy Club for a long, long time. Who can get over that incident where he had he met, met Dangerfield and they placed the two Titans and Dangerfield left brawling on his back? That's that's what he's been to the Adelaide Footy Club. He's just been the heart and soul. But age catches up with everybody. And what we're looking at now is not the man that, that is capable of doing that anymore. He tries his heart out, but he hasn't got the pace. And look, he's only going to be one year. He's going to be a year older and a year slower. And um, we've got young lads uh, looking for positions on half-back playing and wings on the ball. And we have to give those players a chance. Sloan, I would well, I say to Sloaney, uh, I'm not going to give you a contract, but I want you to come into the coaching box and be an assist in. You can be an assistant coach to an assistant coach, if you like, in the midfield. And uh, I'd keep him in the club because he is. Why? 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 On what basis? Have you seen? Because, have you seen Rory coach? Have you? Um, most coaches have got their first position. That nobody's seen them coach before either. I'm That's right. They don't go straight in as a line coach in the midfield. I didn't. If you listen carefully, I didn't say he was going to be a line coach assistant to the to the guy who's the line coach. I don't want him anywhere near our coaching box. Well, that's you, and you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't some, think uh, interest. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I'd probably agree that he probably should get his first coaching job somewhere other than the Crows, um, similar to all of our players. I've just looked up the oldest ever Adelaide Crows players because I was interested to see, you know, we've had some champion players, how old have they played to? There's only ever been four players at the club to play at 34 years of age and older, those being Darren Jarman, Scott Thompson, Mark Bickley, and Nigel Smart. I think Scott Thompson, most people would say that was probably a mistake. Yep. You know, some of our other champions, Mark Rusciuto, he retired at 32, um, Tyson Edwards, 33, Simon Goodwin, 33, Andrew McLeod, 33. So Sloan, if he plays, you know, next year, round one, he'd be 34, you know, I just don't see why the club should yeah, just give him a contract if he's, you know, he's not performing at the level of some of those champions and even then they saw the, the need to retire that around the similar age to Sloan now and I think Sloan fits into that similar sort of category. 
Yeah. Well, that's the way I see it. Being a dozen, um, there's three of us that do. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're right. But that's just our opinion, Fien. And um, yeah, and, no, no, no. And just- I, I, I'm certainly not playing with the midfield. Uh, I agree 100 percent with everything that you guys have said about his role in the midfield. 100 um, percent. But we have seen at times during the year, in one or two quarters, where he has had a direct influence on the game. Um, and I feel like, depending on how he gets through another pre-season, uh, he could have some value there. But I don't want him. And and I tell you what, he's more. He would be more valuable off half back than Brody Smith, Macca. Well, he, look, that's the only probably the only place that you would be able to play him next year. Um, well, if we you listen, got... that's exactly what I said. Like I said. <laughs> I still stick by the fact I wouldn't play him. But if you're going to play him, that is that is the only place you can put him. Mm. You can't put him in the midfield. So mm. I, I don't see don't see what I said wrong then. But you know, mm. it makes you happy. It makes you happy to put me down. That so oh, there. here we go. <laughs> what I'm about to say is that uh, they're going to give Walker a contract, and I. And of the opinion of the other, and I do agree with the other guys, I don't think the club's got the balls to give uh, Sloan his marching orders. I think Walker will say, I want my mate to get a contract too. That shouldn't influence it, but it probably will. And I think that Sloan will get another contract, but I wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I think it would be a very tough call um, that the club isn't prone to making. I can't remember the last time we made a call on a Well, probably Richard Douglas was the last call that we made on a player's career. Um, yeah, and that was probably one year too late. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and same it, with Tom, one, one year too late there too. So yeah. and it's going to be, if flowing goes on, it'll be one year too late. That's just my opinion. I could be proven wrong, but... Well, you know, and the I'm, problem... The problem that we've got, we had with Tomo and Douglas, is that not only did they get an extra year on a contract, but they continued to get played in key roles. Like Douglas and Thompson both played lots of A-grade midfield minutes right up until they got cut. Um, there's no such thing at the Adelaide Crows of bowing out gracefully, um, unless you're Matty Wright. Um, you know, so and Sloan himself has said he'll, he'll play until they cut him. So. Um, you know, if if they are going to play him as a midfielder until they decide to delist him, then it has to happen this year. Well, that that that's factual. I don't think anybody um, on, that's currently on talking up here on the panel would uh, differ from that. And I don't even think there'd be anybody out there listening who would probably think that Stone should be in the midfield next year. But, but as I said, that. If, He's very limited where he can go to, and being a person that doesn't have pace anymore, he's got no pace, uh, it does limit where he can go to. And as I said, we've got a lot of young lads that we've, uh, and which Nan Curva showed today, you, you give a young lad a go, and, he, and he, he'll give you something back. And if you keep playing him uh, regularly, you'll get a lot more back from him. And they come, you know, and Sloan just holds one, another person up. Nuz, um, another bloke that I am hot on is Brody Smith. What are your thoughts on uh, Smithers? Well, he's just... It's the dump kicking, isn't it? It's just not conducive to the way that we need to play and uh, the style of play that we're trying to do. 
Um, but just just on Sloan, I was just thinking just then, what, what's what's one thing that kills us every time we play against a reasonable midfield? What is it in that midfield? One trait, speed. Well, it's, what's it's the speed, one thing isn't that it? Doesn't have? And what's the one thing that Sloan doesn't have? It's speed. So mm. it's just it, it's just can't be Sloan in midfield, and and I'm just scared that if we sign him on for another year, that he'll have too much per se, all too chummy, like we've discussed. So, you know what, if he can accept maybe your sub-role, I'm not that, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent to it. But uh, just to go on with Smith, like you asked, yeah, is he's on for another year as well. Is he going to be playing one more year? Because he's going to stifle the development of people like Nan Curvis and, you know, Cook's been tried up a half-back flank as well and Parnell possibly. You know, we might um, Redmond or Williams as well. So where's Smith going to fit into all that? Is he going to push out another kid? So <laughs> we've already got these awkward questions lined up years after years. I don't know. It's very concerning. I, I'm almost more concerned that we think that Smith's good internally when the reality is he's just an average player. Well, I think what's funny is... Um, yeah. Guys, I think we're going to say the same thing. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure we'll say the same thing. I found there was some person on Twitter uh, that was just posting some more advanced champion data stats in this big spreadsheet over the last you know last couple of years. I think it had the first half of this season. Apologies to the person on Twitter who I don't remember who they are, so I've just torched that person. Um, and it was interesting because it had kick data that had whether a kick ended up being uh, to a contest was retained or was a turnover. So better than the sort of standard kick efficiency stats, yeah. actually telling you, you kick it, which one of those three outcomes does it have? And I was interested, I sorted by um, 2013, um, 2023, this year, first half of the year, up to about round 13, looked at all of our players, and Brody Smith was the second worst player on the list in terms of kicks going to retained for so another Adelaide player getting a kick directly from Smith second worst Josh Worrell was the worst um just by a little bit not as many kicks in the data I think he'd only played like a couple of games at that point but obviously Smith had played throughout the whole season and it was notable how that he was also the highest percentage of kicking to a contest so everything that we've you've been saying on the cast over the last years don't know if it was just this year previous years where you know Forever. Brody Smith kicks to a contest and is an ineffective kick because we rarely keep the ball when he does that is just shown by these stats that I wish you know they would more publicly produce stats because they're great stats you know a lot of our midfielders are sort of more around the I think it was like 50 to 55 percent retained percentage from a kick Brody Smith is was down just under 40 percent which is quite a discrepancy mm. And, you know, the best player for us was, surprisingly, Max Michelani. At, I think 65% of his kicks yeah. were retained by the Crows, which is very high. So, you know, if the Crows have this data internally, like they'd have a full champion data subscription, surely they'd have these numbers. Surely someone internally is giving them the information that Brody Smith's kicks are not retained, and that's not good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, anyway. look, there's, a bloke on, there's a bloke on our chat... Uh, Heafy, who uh, doesn't believe in the eye test, um, but we've made that observation about Brody Smith for about five years, <laughs> without yep. any stats to back it up, and uh, it's been bloody plain as a nose on your face. So, you know, the, the eye well, test, if you actually know what you're looking at, actually stacks up, doesn't it? Yeah, we were yeah, he's the master of the dump kick, the master of it. Always has. Yeah, been. I mean Brody Smith. 
he, he didn't have a high turnover percentage, so it's not like a lot of his kicks just go straight to an opposition player. Um, but it's very concerning how often it just goes to a contest, and especially mm. a lot of those contests we didn't end up getting the possession from. Um, so, you know, Hinge was notably higher, Wayne Miller were notably higher in terms of their, you know, how effective their kicks were. And that's what you'd expect from a half-back. Like, you'd want your kicks to be retained by the next player. That's how you set up chains. That's how you transition inside the, you know, the forward 50. If you're getting a player who's mostly kicking around that defensive 50 line and, you know, less than half the time it's being retained by us, it's just, you know, our defenders are just getting torched there because the ball's probably going to come straight back in. Mm. Yeah, uh, and Lou says, does it include kick-ins? No, it doesn't. And uh, not only that, you know, any any bloke kicking in worth his salt these days would uh, not be kicking to a contest more than probably 30% of the time, really, these days, although we seem, we seem to do it a lot. Um, look, the other one that uh, we've got to discuss, I think, is... Um, um, Lockie Murphy um, tries his guts out, got us a goal, all the rest of it. Um, but um, again, like no, no class or composure, in my opinion. He's an interesting uh, player because I don't think there's any player more courageous than Murphy. I think he's got courage to burn, um, but. Also, you need two things in football. You need courage and ability. And, um, look, he has days where he looks like he's got ability and then he's got days where he looks like he can't play. So um, he's a bit of an enigma. Um, as I said, you can't knock him for courage, but you can knock him for contribution. So I don't know what the other guys think. Yeah, uh, Nuds, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts have always been that Murphy has actually always looked best up at the contest. Well, that's where the, he's, he was in form first half of the season. He knew he was doing that, and now he's kind of lost his way a bit. I'm not sure where, if there's something's changed or he's just a bit tired or, or cramping or late in the season, but he's a seasoned campaigner. He shouldn't be you know, going out of form as the season goes on. He should be the ones, the ones you know, leading from the front. Yeah, it's just something's a bit off about his game at the moment, isn't it? Did you guys see that contest on the outer wing uh, where the it got set up for a goal? Basically, it was, it was in the first quarter, I think, and Murphy's opponent directly got a goal, or so, you know, this passage of play, kick, kick, then goal, all started from Murphy's poor defensive checking, and really poor. Like, Murphy just didn't run with him. I remember. I'm not sure if you... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like he stopped and then the player went like around the back on the outside yeah. onto the boundary, ran ran a bit forward and then was on the receiving end and Murphy didn't follow at all. I think that, is that the yeah. one you're referring to? Yes. I think that he, he got a little bit injured just before that, but that, that those kind of things are happening and creeping more and more into his game. And the question always comes back to him, you know, to everyone, is he going to be on the list and, you know, in the best 22 when we're top four, top three? When you when you see a player like Nan Curvis or Mike Laney or, or these X-Factor tops, even Thilthorpe who's down at the moment, you can see something in their game, you know, because we've all been watching footy for 30 years, and you'd be like, that's going to win him, that's going to win the game, blah, blah, blah. And there's something about Murphy's game that's just lacking. It's, it's, it's just courage, but nothing it's else. Classless lacking. Wise. 
Yeah, his class yeah. that's lacking. He's got. He's not a classy footballer, Naz. He's just a. He's the same as Ned McHenry. He's a trier. He'll give you a thousand percent effort every week. He'll never leave anything in the sheds. Um, but he's not got great skills under pressure. Um, he doesn't hit the scoreboard often enough, although he kicked a goal today. Um, and as a, and he's, a, again, one of those seaball get-ball types. So he's quite good around stoppage situations. But in general play, more often than not, he's in the wrong position because you see him flying for marks where he should be staying down and waiting for a crumb. You see him out of position and, like you said, uh, defensively he can get found out. He seems to be a bit of a... I don't know what you'd call, you know, what you describe his player as, but he's someone that both does and doesn't have good football IQ. And by that I mean when we're sort of setting up play, like it's a stoppage or something, Murphy is often in a the, a good position. Like when yeah. he's in the midfield, and as you, as you were talking about, he he has this set play where he sort of sits mm. behind the contest and then he runs through to get the the clearance. And a lot of the time he gets the clearance is from that exact play. And you see him in the forward line. You know, he's often flying for marks, the thing that we've always complained about. Um, but you're not going to fly for marks if the ball's not going near you. So in those in those circumstances, it seems like he's a little bit of a robot. Like, And I'm sure this is why he gets selected as well, similar to Sloan. Like, he knows the game plan, the positions that he has to be in at certain times. He gets himself, he gets himself in those positions, and then he has his very limited impact around that sort of zone. And I was watching him pretty closely today because I'd selected him in the big footy goal-kicking competition. And even mm-hmm. things like just holding shape on the outside of the contest when he was around the midfield, he does that reasonably well. But he, when it comes to, like, I guess impacting that X-factor way, he just doesn't have that at all. So mm. in those times where he's slightly caught out of position, he's totally ineffective, mm. which in contrast, there are some players like... I don't know, like a McAdam or someone like that or Rochelle, who even when they're not quite in the right position, they have more physical attributes to get into that position, whether that's speed or something else, or they have other ways to impact. And with Murphy, it's like if he's not doing exactly what the coaches have told him to do, he's just nowhere. And I think that sensible crow example of when he um, didn't run around the boundary to catch up to the um, Melbourne defender is exactly that encompassed he had his one job which he was in the right position to stop the play and then job done so he sort of switches off he's like okay that's that's me done but the other player had much more x-factor and dynamism and did something a little bit unusual ran around a little bit and they got a goal out of it and yeah i agree with sensible that i don't think he's a player that we can carry to a top four um ladder position i just don't think players who are that robotic in that sort of you know forward ish position should be in the side. You need a lot more um, ability to do multiple different roles in a better way than him, unfortunately. But, you know, his courage and things like that, you really can't, you know, criticise that. He's a very, very courageous player and, yeah, just throws himself at contests and stuff, which, you know, I'd love to see maybe a Darcy Fogarty with some of the, a bit more of those um, attributes at the moment. Uh, but unfortunately, we've got Fogarty with, with some of the X-Factor stuff and Murphy with more of the you know, throwing themselves at things stuff. So, yeah, unfortunate. So I the other person... Point on that that I, oh, go on, Nuss. Sorry, just on that, because there's a player playing for Melbourne, right, and we were linked to him for two years running, and he couldn't get a game for Melbourne, 
and he will fit the Murphy role or McHenry role to a T and get goals. Played for Melbourne today. Do you know who it is? Alex Neil yeah. Bourne. No. No, it wasn't him. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. yeah, We've cool. been linked in the past two off-seasons, and we didn't get him. What my One of my main gripes has always been with this club is just the that extra 10% of creativity you need during list management and draft time to get you over the line. We can all do our job to 90%. It's or even 100%, I should say, but it's that little bit extra, that strange kind of reasoning and creativity and thought process that we need in such a tight environment like AFL or any professional sport that you need to get over the line. We could have had a chance to get Kay Chandler for literally nothing. And for years I've been saying, he's got something. He's very good. I saw him play as a junior. He will be better than Murphy and McHenry. But we we kept McHenry and Murphy on the list. You know, steady as she goes. Barty Magic's brought it up before, that sunk cost fallacy. Oh, they've already played 50 games at the club. Let's just shovel another 50 into them. That kind of outside thinking we really lack. You know, we've many examples in the past. Resigning Himmelberg for too long. Not getting pick five for Connor Rosie. Example, example, Whoa. getting rid of the crowd yeah. boys. You know, there, but you know, every year there seems to be something that's just oh, it, it pisses you me know, off. Anyway, you, you know, you know, um, uh, Nuds in uh, in the finance game and in investments, there's there's this thing called hugging benchmarks, and I feel like our list management team are a bit like that when it comes to the investment in players. Right? They yeah. they are. Happy to hug benchmarks because, but in doing so, you you never get too much above the benchmark, but you never get too much below the benchmark either. Um, so it's a risk averse strategy, right? Um, yeah. The 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 bloke that uh, used to um, fly under the radar for the Crows, who was a massive massive reason for our. 90s and early 2000s success was Alan Stewart. His ability to be able to spot mm. talent mm. and to be, mm. and to be able to make calls on yep. players. Um, you know, um, I, I think he was integral in us um, picking up Kane Johnson, for example. Like you, you need mm. to have something, and you know, um, it's all very well and good to have your talent list and to look at the like to do all the things that everyone else does you know they go to all the games and they look at the under 18s champs and all that sort of stuff and you know focus on bringing the south australian kids home and la 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 do all that sort of stuff all the things you can go tick 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 at the end of the year and you know put forward a fairly good case that you've done your job but you're a hundred percent right Nuz, that there's those little 1% things, those little X-factor things where a, a bloke who is good at picking up, that understands a game and understands potential and can see things in a player that are more than just a stats sheet, you know, they're the ones that are worth their weight in gold. And I don't believe we've had someone at the Crows like that for a long time. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, if Alan Stewart, is this the guy that was effectively pushed out of the club because he suggested that Jenkins should be traded to Brisbane for a first rounder. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. I mean, so you've, you've just summed it up to a T. I mean, so people like that are a dime a dozen. They're really, you know, they're, they're, we need to respect these sort of minds and we haven't changed our list management to a recruiting team. It's, it's, they're doing a job 
and that's great. You know, we've all we have to have a job in the life, but <laughs> to do more, that's what yeah. we're lacking. And until yeah. we get to that stage and make just bold calls, like maybe I don't know, dropping Smith, getting rid of Sloan. Uh, maybe sending Ogilvy to Tasmania to do their scouting job, that kind of stuff, that just a little bit bold, maybe mm. we can then finally take the next step. I just think well, we're a Matty, bit meh at the moment. Matt, Matty Randall uh, had a little bit of that, um, I think. Um, sometimes he could be a bit screw loose, but um, Malcolm Blight could be a bit screw loose too, and he won us a couple of flags. Um, and sometimes it takes a bit, of, a bit of a crazy genius, doesn't it? But, you know, Matty Randall uh, had some good pickups. Um, Paddy Dangerfield, probably the the jewel in his crown, um, mm. but you're right. Things things like positioning ourselves to get Connor Rosie in that in that draft where we absolutely could have, you know, those sorts of moves that we could have made. For like you know the Dawson trade was really good, um, but we had Sydney on the ropes. But then to not force a better deal in the Rankin situation when he was out of contract and we. You know who gives up pick five for an out of contract small forward? Nobody, um, except the crows. You know that was that was terrible, uh, terrible um, trading in my opinion. So we don't seem to have that. Oh, I don't even know what I you call it, Nuz. What do you call it? You know, you know who which club does and which who does. Kinnia Beatson from Sydney. Yeah, he always 100%. does things every trade off season that just does something. Like he bid on those two players, uh, the one before us and Michael Laney, just because he could, you know. Yeah. Uh, the first trade that you could trade out futures, he traded out and then traded back in, like the next mm. pick, and ended up getting a free second rounder for free. You know, mm. That kind of stuff. We just don't do that. I think it flows as well into selection and the way that we're structuring the side, that even the times that we do manage to recruit players to fill holes and deficiencies where that's trade or at the draft we still find ways to play the players that as phoenix was saying are sort of you know around that the mark that we're you know expecting you know we've just spent how countless draft picks huge capital to get players like rankin peddler rochelle in small forward roles and then for some reason we're still able to play Lockie murphy for the majority of the season. So we're keeping stacking the side with those sorts of players that really should be taking over from a player like Murphy, but then somehow Murphy still gets that position. And that affects the the whole makeup and mix of the rest of the side because if you've suddenly got all these small forwards that you don't really need in the side and you've got this kind of weird defensive guy that doesn't really do much, then where are we losing from? Are we losing a wing? Are we losing an inside mid-rotation? And that has further flow-on effects. Then suddenly other players are stuck in the SNFL because they would normally be playing that wing role or that inside mid role that's getting sacrificed. And I thought we've seen that previously as well with with, a, with David McKay. We tried so many times to have yeah. all these outside players, these wings, we'd bring in, we'd draft a Wayne Miller, we'd bring in a Paul Seedsman, and we'd start dotting them around in our side. We'd play some of them at half back, we'd try Miller forward, we'd play Seedsman in all sorts of different positions, and McKay's still in the side. We had no, yeah. we, it's like the, our recruiters had sort of, they'd sort of gone away from the coaches. They'd gone, hmm, you know, the coaches keep playing these players, but I think we can upgrade them. And then they attempt an upgrade, and then the upgrade doesn't really go as planned. I mean, how many times have we recruited midfielders like Sam Berry to bring them into the AFL side and play them as a small forward? Like, those things have to also be fixed alongside our list management and recruiting if we're going to get 
all these players playing to their peak and their potential and in the positions that they're supposed to be playing. And Tim, that's um, what I was saying before about getting painting themselves into a corner uh, with their selection yeah, exactly. policies. You know, and you know it, it's criminal that a team on the rebuild like we are, with so many young players, um, could have what was it before this week? I think we had the the third lowest squad rotation in terms of selections for the year. We'd only played thirty one or thirty two players for the year. To me, that's horrific. But back yeah, to. It's certainly not ideal, and you know there's certainly some rotations and and squad management things that you know they seem very reactive with some of those areas. Like you know we start winning a few games, a player who had had like three or four games that were poor in a row suddenly has a slightly better than average game, and that locks them into the side for a few more few more rounds. You know a kid yeah. that maybe needed a rest is sort of. Yeah contributing a little bit we try and move them into the forward line which means bringing someone else into the middle yeah. but we're not rotating snfl to afl yeah. with those decisions now, it's just it's now, tim, I'm just playing gonna, midfield or forward today tim i'm just going to get a hardball get and dish it out to macca because he's gone a bit cold come on mac get in there well i can't be you can talk over the top of everybody <laughs> i mean everybody's making very good sense it's stop good whinging and just bloody say something Hello. I gave um, you the ball. Now kick it forward to a person on a lead. Come on. All right. Well, I got to, Well, I want to ask a question to Sensible Crow and to Scorpus again. Um, what we're looking, we're always talking about our midfield, and we're talking about a deficiency in the midfield. And yet, you look at our trading over about the last or oh, ten years or eight years or whatever, we don't go for bloody midfielders. We just go for everything else. But and. Is this the year that we must go after midfielders at all costs? Has been for the uh, last three, hasn't it, Naz? Well, yeah. Well, we just never do it. Rochelle did play quite a bit of midfield in juniors, but he's really that mid-forward kind of yeah. like, short man's stringer type. So the true in and under midfielder, we think to seem that they could just, you know, be picked at number 30 or 40. But, I mean, how many premierships? We all know how premierships have won out of the midfield and they're all picked number four or 12 or 10 or whatever. Peddler fits that bill. That's great, but he was a bit of a punt because of his injury uh, history. And thank God he's actually come on. But um, again, like I know Peddler's struggling a little bit, but he had two centre bounce attendances today, so we're not doing ourselves any favours either. And one of them was the last CBA of the day. Did you notice that? Did yeah, yeah. yeah, it was pathetic. It was the last one of the day when we were there to win a game, and all of a sudden they've chucked Peddler in, and he nearly got the clearance. But it was just really weird. It was like. He hasn't been in all day, and then you put him in for the last one of the of the game. The hell! If if, if he's not fit, as T Rabbit's saying, then then maybe give him a rest. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Pushing him. You know, but, but you look at the line, every week when I look up the lineup of our side versus the opposition, I look at our midfield and I look at the, the midfield's opposition. Yeah, you know, and um, they haven't got Oliver at the moment, Melbourne, but they still got Petrarca and they still got Viney. And uh, they, Bradshaw uh, goes from a, a wing or half back. He go, he goes in there, and so they've still got a quality midfield. And that's the one thing I think we've we've pretty well in most positions around the ground. We're pretty well covered. And the one thing that has been a deficiency, and it's been in that situation now for since Dangerfield went, um, we just lack midfielders. Real, I mean, and I say. I don't mean bodies, a human being there. I'm talking about quality midfielders, ones that can really make a difference to the game. 
I think this goes back to what Sensible Crow was saying about how we're not doing as many aggressive and clever moves with our trading and drafting. Mm. It seems like our recruiting staff are very much of the best available talent sort of line. So we have a pick. It's pick six. We take Josh Rochelle. I'm not saying that's a bad pick or anything. It's but hugging, It's hugging not a, benchmark scorpus. Yeah, it's not a lot of midfielders around that pick. Same with like a, a Fisher-Mackesy, a, a failed pick. We sort of go, oh, that draft, not heaps of top-end midfield talent. So what's a hole in our list? We'll, we'll go for a Fisher-Mackesy. Whereas I think that if we're sort of looking at a draft and we've got a pick and that pick is not in the projected range of an elite midfielder, either it's the elite mids are higher up, you know, in the one pick one, two, three, or they're a bit further down. Maybe they've got some other sort of quality that we're looking for. Then we seem to, instead of trading into that zone, like taking our pick six and turning into a pick three, we're just sitting on it and going, well, we'll just take someone in that range, whoever's good and... And I'll tell, yeah, you, whereas, I'll tell you, you know, what we could have done um, in that in that year. I think it was that year. Finn Callahan was the one, Scorpus, that we should have gone hard at. Um, yes. Bonafide, genuine midfield. And, and, yeah. Like we missed that. Was that Horn Francis's year? Uh, I think that might have been 2021. After. Still thought. Um. No, it was, it, was, it was a year after Phil thought. Yeah, that was, was um, twenty. Yeah, the Jason Horn Francis draft where we took Rochelle at six. Callahan was taken yeah. at three. Yeah, um, but, just, I've got a. I've actually got a guy for this guys. So I'll quickly finish with this small little anecdote. We always think that we know best and have a diamond in the rough, and we've been doing it for the last ten years and it, all the time with Ogilvy. He loves his diamonds in the rough. Do they? You know, yeah, peddler. Peddler was, is uh, vouched in the '30s and '40s. Saligo. There's a few. There's a whole bunch, and sometimes they come off. Sometimes they don't. You can afford to do that in the picks in the '30s onwards, but you can't afford to stuff around with your picks in the top 25. Yeah, because okay. you have seen time. There's so many examples of when it goes badly, like Carlton and Melbourne, and so many times when it goes well, like Hawthorne and Richmond. Mm-hmm. So to stuff around effectively waste a pick on Fisher Mackesy. Now, I'm not even a scout or recruiter. Mackesy, in that draft year, right, he got the best and fairest for Vic Metro because he was bigger than everyone else. He yeah. had nothing else, and we picked him anyway. And nothing no, else, I hope he's doing okay. But far out. It was just in every way the wrong call. No, it's when you watch the under-18 highlights for Mackesy, Every, every yeah. mark that he I took was, was uncontested. Yeah, yeah. I watched every, every game. Yeah, every mark that he took terrible. was un, uncontested. He didn't take – he wasn't that contested beast of a, of, a, of a key position player. He was almost an intercept player. Um, and I, I was shocked when they took him because, to me, if, if that was the if, the – if the idea was to replace Daniel Talia, then Maxey wasn't the one. I couldn't believe it. So you'd, you'd spot on the money. Uh, yeah. The suggestion that was made was that we should really, and I think this is the perfect year for, to do it, is that the, the, the midfielders are up early in the draft. The really, really good midfielders are up early in the, perhaps the first six to eight, uh, maybe first first six. And uh, you know, I think this is we've got uh, a draft, a first round draft, but we've got two. If I remember rightly, we've got two second round drafts. Now, if 
surely we can use that uh, to trade up higher and have a crack at one of the genuine good midfielders for a change. And this is the year that we must do it. Yep. Oh, well, well as a, just is, just before you go, Nuz, I'll, I'll just put a question. I know you've got to go, but I'll just put a question to anyone, uh, everyone here. Does Does anyone see us ever making a move like Port did to secure those three lads in that one draft when they recognised that they needed to refresh their their um, midfield and they got rid of Wingard and a couple of others and they got those picks off Fremantle or whatever and got themselves in a position to get Rosie and Butters and Dersma. Burton, I think, as well. Uh, not Sandra. Would you ever see the Crows? We, we've got we've got stock at the moment. We've got trade stock. Do you do you see the Crows ever being able to or willing to be that? Um, um, be be that uh, no, bold no. to do that. We we're getting better with the actual drafting on the night and the little moves. Like we got our we got North second rounder for a really cheap. So we're we're getting there, but we're still behind the eight ball compared to other you know top end clubs. At least we're learning, thank God. Right, otherwise we'd be coming last. But trading out players? No, 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 no. We can't do that. Why would we do that? That's insane. What is this, mm, NBA? Culture. Goodness me. Riley O'Brien would be the perfect trade. There are clubs screaming for a Ruckman right yep. now. Absolutely 100%. screaming. He has some capital. It might not be a first rounder. It doesn't need to be a first rounder. You need to be creative with it. He's got a set value of points. You could use those points, bundle them up with a second, and then get a first, or, or next year, whatever. Who is our Ruck then, Gates, he says. Could be Grundy. You get him in. You get a cheap one. The, the difference with other Ruckmen, like people like Lloyd Meek versus O'Brien, you know, negligible, in my opinion. Riley O'Brien is someone who's expendable. We're not getting rid of the expendable players. And there's so many on our list. We can't afford to trade out Murphy. We can't afford to trade out these players because there's a replacement. Look, I'd, really be happy, I'd be happy to, to, ha- to trade out Schoenberg, Berry, Rochelle, um to get some class midfield, I, I wouldn't care who we traded out. To be honest with you, I think it's got to that point. We, I mean, I'm a fan of Schoenberg's. I'd be happy to to get him uh, get him out for a second rounder. Um, there'd be a ton of. There's not too many players I wouldn't trade. If someone wanted to give me, um, uh, you know, a late first or an early second for Rolly O'Brien, I would I would skip to the trade table. And from what I thought <laughs> saw from Rolly Thilthorpe today. You can't convince me that he's not our number one ruckman going forward, anyway. So let's just let's just pull the trigger. I think exactly. we're I think we're definitely scarred from the years where players kept leaving us, and we focused so much time on retaining our mm. players and in- encouraging them to stay. You know, we've given very long contracts to players like Roy Sloan as one example of a move we did to keep him at the club. That to then turn around and suddenly start going, "Hey, Rob." You're out. You know, it's um doesn't seem like something that we're culturally going to be doing. As much as I think I agree with all of you that it would make sense to be looking at players like that. Wayne Miller, another one I very much think has trade currency, and I would 100%. be just sending straight to the trade table right now. But yeah, again, you know, they're they're so worried about culture. We've just done this done this cultural rebuild of the club that to then turn around and do a Chad Wingard to Hawthorne move on a player that has currency that's maybe loved by the playing group, it's just not going to happen. 
Like Ben Keys, can we move him on? Like surely some other club would want a Ben Keys in their side at the moment. A lower down club going through a rebuild, you might not get a lot for him, but that's the sort of moves that you know ideally we'd be making. But we just culturally we're not going to get rid of a Ben Keys or a Miller or a Riley O'Brien. Yeah, and then we're not going to win the flag. On that note, I'm out. See you guys. Yeah, see Thanks, you mate. Know. Don't forget to not listen no to problem. Sensible Crow this week because he's not doing a cast. But the next time he does a cast, no, actually, make sure you listen to him. No, no, no. I'm releasing the, re-releasing the Luke Nankervis interview from a couple of years ago. So that will be out. So have a listen. Beautiful. It's gold if you haven't had a listen. So on that note, see you later, guys. Well done, mate. Take care, mate. Catch you. All right, so uh, we're nearly at the two-hour mark after that rigorous conversation, and uh, great to have Sensible Crow on. And all uh, all jokes aside, make sure you get around his podcast whenever he puts one up. Um, I think we're probably just about ready to finish up. Um, I did oh, want to just talk it. quickly about. I just did want to talk quickly about Philthorpe because you know he had nine of his eleven touches in the first half. Uh, today and yep. I just I just saw Ruckman uh, Macca, what did you think? Yeah look I don't just disagree with what you're saying, I, I think that uh, he, he, I'm not against him having little stints resting up forward but uh, you know the idea of trading at Riley, Riley O'Brien is not a silly one at all, um, I mean you, get, you would get a decent pick for him um, and What's he in today against Gorn? Well, look, he tried his heart out, but you know it was it was just a non-event. He just couldn't compete with Gorn. And um, you know, in terms of the future, you know, uh, we've still got Strawn that, that we could use in conjunction uh, with Philthorpe. And at the moment, Philthorpe is not quite developing as quickly as I'd like to see in the. Uh, to do, and the best way to do it, I think, is, as you suggest, is to use him a lot in the ruck, because that way he's going to be in the play all the time. Well, I don't know whether you recall Macker and Scorpus, but when we went on that little run in the second quarter, that was on the back of Thilthorpe being in the ruck, and as soon as uh, O'Brien came back on and Tex came off and Thilthorpe went forward, we lost the next two clear. We lost the next two centre clearances. We did. We did. And yeah. we lost momentum. Yeah, I, I, that's why, you know, I do think we have to be more innovative with moving players on. Um, you know, put, you could, last year you could see Port Adelaide. I reckon Port Adelaide was uh, starting the rumour that Amon was going to go next year, uh, last year. They were talking about it like about halfway through the season or before. Because yeah. I think they wanted him to go so they could get a draft pick so they could have yeah. a crack at uh, Horn Francis. So you know, um, they 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 can they did it to Burton. They've done it to uh, Wingard. The, Wingard, done, yeah. yeah that, look, they're, they're ruthless, and I think their their uh, uh, list management is a very very smart uh, team indeed. They they have pulled off with a great coup, I reckon, and you know Rosie being the biggest of them. Uh, I mean, there's no way we should have uh, been outmaneuvered uh, with uh, Rosie that in that particular uh, draft. So. We've we've got to actually be a little bit creative, work out what we actually need, work out what we actually want, work out what we're actually lacking, and it just screams midfielder, midfielder, midfielder. And, you know, you've got to give to get. And 
And that's one thing we don't seem to understand. You do have to give to get. And so you look at who, who's expendable, who won't really affect our side if they're not, if they're not in there. And so you, you take those players and you, you – I mean, Hawthorne did it. They, they kicked out all their – and they were, they were legends of their, of their club, and yet they were quite happy to move them out. You know, to make the I, th- make I think what gets us a little bit, Mac and and Scorpus, is that at the moment uh, players can veto trade. So we've got to find basically Victorians that want to go back home um, in that mix. You know, um, so it it can stuff you up a little bit when you want to clear the decks a little bit, but no one wants to no one wants to leave. But uh, uh, overall, I think we're all on the same page that we need to be more aggressive. Look, let's finish off. We've got Port next week, and we're obviously going to be a little bit under the pump because we've got um, Rankin out. We've got Rochelle on the back end of a two-week break. Um, you know, a little bit busted up. Um, you know, uh, you would expect that... Uh, if uh, Parnell and, and uh, McHenry were the two that would have been selected today had they not been ill, you would expect those two to come in. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I, that's ass. not who I want. That's not who I want, Tim. But like, if they were picked this week, then why wouldn't they be picked next week if they're well? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, it doesn't excite, does it? It really doesn't excite. And um, no. um, look, I think McHenry as a sub, I'm quite happy with McHenry as a sub because he does do a little bit when he comes on. Um, Parnell, um, uh, well, he won't be. Won't have to worry about mining Willie Rioli. He won't be there. Um, but you know, uh, he, he, it doesn't excite me. Yeah, I think it, I think it's crucial that from the side we did select this week that. All of Schoenberg, Nankervis, and Cook remain in the side. And yeah, Hatley. The game. Uh, Hatley. I mean, believe so had a pretty good game. Dropping Crouch. Um, well, Lid, Lid yeah. will be, no, Lid will be coming back, right? Yeah, I mean, I per- I personally would have Saligo back in. Yes, reasonable game in the SNFL, so I'd have him in. I'd have Laird in. I'd have Michelani in. And yep. I guess you could make a call for Hately as the, the fourth in, and then my outs would be Rankin, obviously, out. I would drop Crouch. So Crouch led like for like. I'd drop Murphy. I think he's useless. And I would manage, in inverted commas, Sloan. Um, manage yep. as in dropped you, slash retired. You, um, you, you, but that's not going to happen. They will not drop Sloan. It'll be if this is his last season. This will be his last showdown. They won't drop him. Let's not forget that um, Murray might have a bit of a calf or an Achilles, so we might uh, need to bring in uh, a defender, which I guess would be Michael Annie. But I don't know whether that matches up too well. And that doesn't match up at all. You need a big somebody big, big and solid. Um, yeah, you have to bring in a ball ace, which you know doesn't isn't like well. Yay. But he, you know, like for like, we need to keep our structure. And two, the times we played two key defenders has not worked once. Not worked, never, don't do it. So how, if he's out, bring in another key. How's uh, Kane been going? Average. Um, yep. Just average. The one thing about it, he has played AFL before. So, um, but, you know, I, whether he's been going well enough to be selected, I, I don't know. But, well, uh, I think you'd have to you'd have to shift shift Worrell onto Marshall. I think 
uh, leave butts on on Dixon and hope he doesn't get ragdolled and and make Keane your third tall. Yeah, well, we got to be definitely on the man, and I can't see us winning it with the with the out that we're going to have. Lachlan Gollant, he kicked six goals in the SNFL as well. Would any of you consider bringing him in for Fogarty? Anyone? Well, well, I mean, he can only really come in for Folland, uh, for Fogarty. He yeah, can't come it, in for. I wouldn't bring him in for McAdam. Well, well what yeah. about we drop Rob, Phil Thorpe first ruck, Gollant in? Uh, makes never us gonna a do bit it. tall. Make, makes uh, us a bit t- makes us a bit tall, and you've got to you've got to like you've got to. Thilthorpe can't ruck all day, which means that if you if you're going to have Thilthorpe in a, a ruck option, you've got to you've got to basically bring Himmelberg in. Just ruck Gollan in the ruck. <laughs> it oh, won't make geez. won't matter. Their rucks are horrible. Bloody Ports, hell. Terrible. Um, yeah, like do a Finlayson. Finlayson and Lyset, no threat whatsoever. Which means Rob is probably going to have a field day and unfortunately lock himself in for a bit. But I wouldn't be worrying too much about their output. I reckon you could ruck basically anyone. Uh, yeah, I think you're right though. O'Brien will play, and because, um, as you say, he, he'll have he should have a big edge over Lysett. No, he hates Lysett. Does he? Um, yeah. Anyone see us winning? I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. Um, I wouldn't say... I'd be more confident of beating Port than beating Collingwood or Melbourne. But, yeah, I I think we'd be pushing shit uphill to try and win this one. Um, But you never know. Like, depends on the side that um, Port Adelaide have put out. You know, the last couple of games haven't been... You know, they were good against Collingwood, but they got run over against Carlton. They were horrible, but they played a you know a lackluster side with a lot of changes. So it really depends on the side that they're putting out. You know, the, there's definitely weak links in their team that we could be exploiting. Players like uh, D- Dersma, who just hasn't come on whatsoever. Players like that, you know, maybe would be able to do it. But you know, I'd expect the boys to show up. So there's at least that. I uh, wouldn't be expecting like a. I don't know, a, an Essendon-type start. <laughs> so, <laughs> Death is coming yeah, and says, I'll, I'll, give us an answer, Tim, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, so I yes don't no. think we'll win. But I think it's um, more likely than some of the other games. I, I reckon uh, Port are going to be uh, a little bit sick and sorry after Collingwood. They freshen themselves up for that game. They dropped a couple of get for the Carlton match in preparation to freshen them up. And uh, I... Uh, Reckon we're going to have a sneaky win this one. I really do. This is one time where I'm hope that I'm wrong and you're right. Well, really you know, do. I'm not basing it on any logics. Uh, I just, we all know that showdowns are always fifty-fifty, and I just, I just have this weird feeling that we're just going to have to, uh, that we're just going to have a little sneaky win, maybe a couple of goals. Yeah, look, it's our we, showdown too, isn't it? Like our home game. So it's our, we know yep, we it's our home game. We'll be better with the uh, crowd. So there's that. Yeah. We'll have favorite. to put up with a bloody song. Yeah. All right, they all reckon I've been I've been drinking. So anyway, Tim, it's been very nice to have you on the cast once again. Yeah, no worries. Love jumping on every once in a while. I really should oh. come on when we win. 
Because it feels yeah, like they come when to... we lose to have a rant. Yeah, but you do. It wasn't too you ranty do. today. I thought we'd win. I thought we'd lose. Oh well, you know. Well, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube and on Discord. Uh, appreciate all your support, of course, as always. Tim, uh, don't forget to look up Tim's uh, nerdy uh, YouTube channel, Hardware Unboxed, if you want any information about tech-related gear. Tech-related gear. Tech-gear-related stuff, talk, I don't know, whatever. You'd say it, Tim. What's your bloody <laughs> YouTube channel about? monitors and shit uh we cover pc hardware gaming sort of stuff go. that sort of thing i'm not here to go. talk about that i'm here to talk about the crows i'm just giving you a plug because <laughs> no i know you've only channel. got nine hundred and fifty thousand bloody subs so you know you're struggling a bit <laughs> <laughs> maca thanks again as always good fun uh thanks to everyone on discord who's joined in on the live chat um awesome stuff uh have a good week everyone and we will see you next week at the same time yeah thanks all see ya good night all